When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, I'm Tom Butler. I'm Brendan Duffy. And I'm Tom Wheatley. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to the James Bond A to Z podcast. Join us as three lifelong 007 fans go on a journey of discovery. We're on a mission to discover everything we can about cinema's greatest spy films. By learning about the people who made them in front of the camera and behind. The James Bond A to Z podcast is in no way affiliated with James Bond, Eon or the Fleming Estate. We've researched each episode as extensively as we can, but our information does come from a range of sources. We do our best to make sure the information is accurate, but sometimes we can get it wrong. If you want to correct us on something or add some more detail, email us at podcast at jamesbondatoz.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the James Bond A to Z podcast. This is a special episode. Um, we thought that we had done enough banging on about James Bond without having really introduced ourselves. And so, yeah, this is a special episode. I, I'm Tom Butler. And this is Brendan and Tom. Hi. Hello. And uh, yeah, it's a bit more conversational this one than our usual episodes. Um, our usual episodes, you know, we go through a letter of the alphabet and speak about the Bond creatives. But this is really just a, us having a bit of a chinwag. Wheatley's having a beer to talk about. I've got a Guinness on the go. Have you? Why is everyone drinking but me? <laughs> Don't just focus on me for the beers. It makes me sound bad. That's what I did. I deflected away from you. Yeah, Don't cheers, worry. Yeah, cheers for that. <laughs> Brendan's had 10. <laughs> yeah, as you haven't guessed, Brendan is Irish of uh, descent. <laughs> with a name like... How would they have guessed that? Brendan Duffy. Of I mean, it's quite an Irish name. Oh, yeah, that's is probably... Is it not? Yeah, that, yeah that, they might get it from that. <laughs> and now, drinking a Guinness, I've locked it in, haven't I? No, and... Is that why you're obsessed with Prosten? I hadn't put two and two together. <laughs> It's not, no. <laughs> Just coincidence. 
Right. So we're going to uh, rattle through a, free, a few uh, sort of classic James Bond questions just to sort of, you know, share our thoughts on some of the hot topics around James Bond. We haven't shared notes on any of this, so whatever we say is going to come as a total surprise to each other as well, I guess. What, do you want to kick off, Wheatley? You'll probably realise when we start arguing. Yeah. <laughs> Wheatley, why don't you ask the first question? Okay. Who am I asking it to? Who's starting? Brendan? Wherever you want. Go, go wherever yeah, you want. Start me. with Brendan. Let's go with Brendan, because I'm more interested in what he's got to say about this film. <laughs> um, I, because I know who his favourite Bond actor is. Okay, so, Brendan, what scene defines your favourite Bond actor, and why? Well, first off, what, what, who do you think my favourite Bond actor is? Pierce Brosnan. I'd assume Brosnan. Yeah, see? Okay. There's no surprise there. You're meant to be in shock. Well... The scene I went for, because obviously we covered this in the Brosnan episode, he didn't get dealt a great hand, but that doesn't mean there isn't some great scenes in there. But I actually went for the fight he has with 006 in Goldeneye. Very good. Oh, at, yeah. at the yep. top of Goldeneye. Because it, it shows, like, throughout that film, he's he showed that he looks like Bond, and he sounds like Bond. And this is where he shows his ruthless streak, I think, where he drops 006 to his death. I, d- I just think that 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 shows yeah. what Brosnan could have done, could have gone on to do. Yeah, it's a good fight as well. It's pretty yeah. hardcore. Mm. There's some there's some real, I would say, not real, but it's fairly realistic punches going on in there. Yeah, it's pretty graphic. They show uh, Alec Trevelyan when he, well, his bones get crunched at the bottom of the dish. Yeah, but I did want to put an honourable mention in there for when he's straight- the Brosnan film. This yes, it's Brosnan. <laughs> Yeah, where he straightens his tie underwater in the world is not enough. <laughs> yeah, that is. I'm surprised you didn't go for that first. That's that's what I think of when I think of well, Brosnan then, Bond. I wanted to combine those two moments, one that show his ruthlessness and one that show how how suave and sort of sophisticated he is. How yeah. ludicrous! You basically picked a. Yeah, you've gone for a a, a Connery and and a um, Roger <laughs> and a, a more yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> combined into one and that's what makes Brosnan so great there you go yeah yeah can't argue with that okay then well same question to you Tom Butler well I mean it's hard to de- decide who, who your favourite Bond is it could be any different Bond uh, any day of the week Connery for me is the you know I'm a classic classicist when it comes to Bond sometimes and, and Connery for me is is the greatest Bond I t- I really sort of was torn between two scenes. I mean, the one that I always talk about is when he's playing golf with Goldfinger, but I wasn't sure whether that was one one yeah. you were going to bring up Wheatley. But that for me just is. It's not just Bond. It's not just Connery. It's Bond as well. It's it, it, he doesn't like cheats, and it's just him playing sport. And it's such a gentle scene, but there's just so much tension going on between the two of them, and I just love. Uh, yeah, I just love that scene. He looks great in his golfing gear. Um, there's lots of nice back and forth between him and Goldfinger. And the whole thing about the golf balls and the cheating is is brilliant. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's for me yeah. is, 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 is Connery as Bond. The other one is from Dr. No. And that was, you know, you've had your six where he just cold-bloodedly kills the Spectre guy. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people point to that as being like, you know, Bond's most brutal moment. And you can sort of see that, but that, like that's that's who he is. He's got a license to kill. That's his job. Yeah. Wheatley. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to explain it. 
Well, it uh, comes no surprise to you that I have also chosen Sean Connery as my favourite Bond. Although that does that's a fairly recent thing because I think for a while Moore was my favourite, and it's only over the past year or so that I've really got stuck in with Connery. But the scene I've picked is also from Goldfinger, but it's it's the scene where he he goes into the hotel room or the I don't know if it's chalet or something, and there's the the lady that's been in the bath, and he kind of goes to hug her, takes off his gun. And he looks in her eyes and he sees an assassin behind him and, and fights the assassin and eventually electrocutes him. But the reason I chose that scene is because I think it, it pretty much ticks off everything that Sean Connery is. He's, he's As soon as he walks in, he's cool. He's wearing a suit. You've just seen him come in from like a cool bar or something. He's relaxed. There's a woman in there straight away. He starts, you know, pashing with her. Pashing. And... Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if passions. I'm, I've probably been watching too many old films recently. <laughs> so he's he just he just starts kissing her, and then suddenly it changes again. So he goes from being this cool ladies' man to being a resourceful kind of assassin type. He looks in her eye and he sees the assassin behind him. Then he starts fighting. It's a pretty good fight. He does quite. It's not just. It's not your standard kind of Roger Moore fake jumping around. It's like he's really punching and he's grabbing stuff and throwing him around. And then throws him in the bath, kills him straight away, doesn't even care about it, still smiling. I think he's laughing when he does that. And then goes back to the woman and just looks at her and says, oh, shocking. <laughs> and then walks off. Everything you could possibly imagine about Sean Connery covered in one scene. Everything you need to know. He's cool. He's a ladies' man. He's hard. He doesn't care about killing people. He's funny. And he's got a nice suit. There you go. He looks good in a suit. What That's a the important choice. thing, isn't it? Yeah. And he pulls it off. Very good choice. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to watch it again tonight, actually. Now I've now, now I've been thinking about it so much. Did you have any runners-up, either of you? I mean, I, I I looked at stuff like... Most of my things for Sean came from Goldfinger because I think Goldfinger was when he, he hits his peak. I think Dr. No... I struggled to find a scene in that that really encapsulates him because I don't think there's a lot of elements of his character that come out until later on. And Dr. No, is he's got the bare bones of what he becomes but it's not as clear I think Goldfinger it's very clear in every scene he's got he's acting like he's sophisticated cool he's a killer all these things he knows how to act it's like Brosnan when he's in Goldeneye he's not quite ready yet but I think in Goldfinger he hits his stride and even from Russia with Love I think that's it's at some points and you you said the other day that it's a little bit like a Hitchcock film and it is and his character is almost Hitchcockian in that he's a little bit you're not too sure who he is. He's a bit he, of a cipher, yeah. He's like a, a bit nuanced. But um, I think, yeah, I, I looked at quite a few and, and, and they all came from Goldfinger and the, the golf scene was one of them. But I wanted to choose a scene that had everything in it, really. I toyed with having Dalton and uh, and the scene that he kills Sanchez with the lighter because that is just, that's pure Dalton for mm-hmm. me. I mean, I've got a huge soft spot for him, but um, I couldn't I couldn't say that he was my favourite over Connery. I just couldn't. No. Well, maybe maybe when uh, we we have another break from research, we'll do our second options for all of these <laughs> and go into depth with them do it again. Who wants to ask the next question? I'll go for it. So, which of Bond's stalwart characters is the most important? And I'll open the forum. Whoever wants to answer that, you go for it, Bola. Well, I went for. <laughs> it's a bit of a. It's a bit of a cheat. This one, Tanner and or Lighter, Felix Lighter. Yeah. Um, 
and I know they're not, it's not the M, it's not Q, it's not Money Penny, and they're all really important. But in terms of like most important, like defining that, the thing that you get with Tanner and with um, Felix Leiter is Bond doesn't really have many friends, but there you get the sense that they're his friends. And it's that's that brings out the human side in him. And, you yeah. know, they, they appear semi regularly, they give Bond a sense of humanity um, and I think that you really need that to, that to offset him with all the sort of the ludicrous stuff that he gets up to with the, the killing and the girls and the gadgets and all that sort of stuff the Felix and or Tanner you know really shows that he's a he's a real person as well and just gives him that extra dimension for me anyway I might have known that you bring Tanner into it <laughs> he couldn't resist could he he's just I think he likes Tanner more than Bond actually <laughs> You're waiting for that Tadno spin-off series. <laughs> I I mean, I, I'm going for this a similar reason as well, but I'm going a bit more obvious. But the reason I'm going obvious is because I think you can't really beat it. M, because M in every film is, it's like the one thing that grounds Bond to the real world all the time. You do have Lighter and you do have Tanner and these other characters, but they fluctuate quite a lot throughout the series. Obviously, Tanner in the Daniel Craig series, he's very good, but... Earlier on, he's probably not quite as good in some of the um, uh, in, in some of the um, Brosnan ones, and that's my opinion. But the same goes for Lighter. Lighter's really good in some of his incarnations as, as Lighter, but sometimes he's not quite as he's he's not really a friend. He's more just like a guy who's helping him out. And I think M is consistently, apart from a little bit in the in the Moore era, he's just this constant grounding force for Bond in quite a lot of ways so if you're looking at him as an assassin or somebody who's just a killer who's, who's going around killing people M brings him back to earth and you realise that he's he's not flawless he can't just get on with these things he makes mistakes and M always reminds him of those mistakes but also it's quite easy to look at Bond as like a superhero quite a lot but when you go and see M he almost becomes like a little boy and he's getting told off and you can see this kind of mischievous side in him or this slightly um, not lacking confidence side but more like he knows that he's not always right and M's the only person who knows that so you get that kind of it's a very easy way to add another level to a character by throwing M in and just making that he has to show that other side of him if you didn't have M in this series it would be a very different all the way through I think I think it would be very similar to like maybe not John Wick but something where it's a very it's a much more one-dimensional character mm. and you can say the same with like money penny but i don't think money penny has as, as much as an effect she's really just a slight nuance in his um in the films but m actually makes an impact on everything that he does even in is it m in um license to kill or did they change the role in that one i can never remember it was the new m wasn't it yeah i think it was Who actually revokes yeah. his license yeah, so if, even in that, I don't think he's a particularly good M, but I think the fact that he did that just goes to show that M has this impact on Bond that he he can't ignore. So yeah, I, I, I'm sticking with M. And, and then, of course, you've got the M character changes with the times. And it uh, you've got Judy Dench as well, who is a completely different M than Bernard Lee's M, but does the same job in a different way for a, for a, modern, for a modern day. Brendan? So you two just want, want Bond to die then, do you? Because without Q... Bond would be dead time and time again. <laughs> yeah. So that's obviously what you want. But that's not the only reason I've picked Q. That is, you know, 
that does help that Q comes up with these gadgets and so when Bond's out in the field he can you clarify you talking about John Cleese version here yeah which Q you're talking about here (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking about Desmond Llewellyn (laughs) I'm not talking about John Cleese or Ben Whishaw and the reason is because Desmond Llewellyn's Q is more like a, a father figure to Bond yes their relationship as you can see like the irritation that Q has for Bond is very much like a father son relationship they've got going on and it's similar to the to the M role I would say yeah. it's it's more of an extension of that it's more grounding for bond mm. somebody else with authority that, that, I suppose that with, with Q bond. the beauty is that he doesn't really he's not as authoritative is he he's actually listening to him because, out of choice he doesn't yeah. have to listen to him mm. and he doesn't always listen to him but no yeah and then all the way up to to his last his last film the world is not enough and Pierce Brosnan's Bond was sad to hear that he was going to be retiring. It was a strong relationship, and obviously he went through all the Bonds up up to Brosnan. So, mm. And he knew that Jean Cleese was going to take over. <laughs> yeah, I'm off. He'll <laughs> <laughs> give me invisible cars. I don't want it. So yeah, I've gone for Q. I guess, I guess that's Cleese's uh, biggest legacy, isn't it? The invisible car. <laughs> Oh, it was just, a, yeah, he did, well, is, I don't, is it a legacy? <laughs> don't mention the car. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good, very, very good. good. I'd love them to introduce the, the, the Ponsonby character. You know, he's got a secretary in the books, his own personal secretary, mm. that they sort of change for money penny in the in the films. I'd love maybe in the future for her, her to be brought in as a character, someone that works for Bond. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. All right, mm. next question. Who is the most important Bond creative? This is a good question for us because we're just going, talking about these people all the time, aren't we? But who do you think is the one that has had the biggest impact on the film franchise? Wheatley. Well, it's, it's interesting this one because we obviously with the podcast so far, we've only got up to C and, but it does seem like the majority of the major creatives are in the early part of the alphabet. Um, And I was thinking, is it just because, We've only got to see that I, I've not really thought of, I've not really picked anyone that's outside of that. But I, I think the main ones are all quite early on in the alphabet. Richard Maybaum, so I, I think. I think it's a tricky one. Sorry. Richard Maybaum, I think, we'll get to. Obviously, he'll be looming yes. large. But Yeah. Yeah. And as create, and when we're talking about creatives, I think that it, what we were saying was anybody who had a creative role in shaping the, the whole of the Bond series. So... I mean, it could even be a, a, a kind of stunt person, I think, if you wanted it to be, because they're kind of shaping how these films look. So yeah, this is quite a tough one, actually. I went through quite... I, just, I sat and looked through various films and tried to get my head around what was the most important elements. And I think I came to the conclusion that, I mean, you can't have... You, some of them have, been in, have, have done the films, like 10, 11, 12 films early on and they've shaped the way those Bond films are. The later ones are quite difficult to say that they, they were the most important ones. Mm-hmm. So it was really difficult because I don't think you could take out any element of them. I don't think you could take out the sets. I don't think you could take out the, you know, obviously script writing. You couldn't, you couldn't um, take that out, but they do change quite a lot. Uh, but I think for me, it, it's John Barry, just because I was watching these Bond films and I'd quite like to re-edit one just to see what it's like without John Barry music if I just took it from some other film. But every scene, it would fall a lot flatter if it didn't have that music. And you see that quite a lot in, I think there's, we, we talk about it in one of the podcasts as well, where 
which one is it? There's there's a there's a film. Oh, well, you've got Goldeneye where the music falls a bit flat in that in the scenes. Yeah. Um, but there's certain there's certain films, early ones as well, where there's there's scenes where they don't play John Barry's 007 music or, or they haven't got an orchestral score that he's done, and you know it. You instantly can say it needs a bit of Bond music here. It's not working. But yeah, he did 11 films and pretty much all of the early ones. And without him. You know, nobody has anything to work from. So I think he's, I think he's for me, the most important element of those. And um, if that if that went, I don't think you could fill up that hole. Yeah, well, I think Monty Norman's lawyers will be on the phone. Well, this is the problem, but you have you have this problem with every single one of the creators because it's, <laughs> every one of them has another person that did something on it. Who uh, yeah. I, I won't say who because you might choose one of these people. But um, yeah, that was a difficult bit. Mm. Um, so th- I, yeah, I don't think you can say any single person is. Relate like not all of the music is John Barry's stuff, but he's probably had the greatest influence on the films. It's funny you say John Barry. Sorry, Brendan, but um, he he was an example that I was going to mention because you know, never say never again. You watch that film and it doesn't it doesn't feel like a Bond film because it doesn't have the Bond music, and that's just like if they'd put Bond music on that, it would be fifteen percent better. I think it's a decent film. Yeah. I don't think it's t- dreadful, but if it had John Barry's music on it, oh boy, it would be ten times better. Sure, somebody must have edited that. Yeah, it, the you music just does so much of the heavy lifting for these films sometimes. That uh, yeah. yeah, you said well, you said that about Toronto Dies, weren't you? Yeah, that a lot of those scenes are a little bit relentless until you put that music on, and suddenly it becomes significantly more exciting. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in from Russia with Love, when uh, when. Bond goes into the hotel room and he's uh, just searching for <laughs> yeah. for bugs, and they yeah. play the the Bond theme the whole time, and yeah. it instantly like oh what's going to happen you're like on yeah, edge yeah. they play just it a from, lot just from the music they play it a lot they, they yeah. do play it a lot yeah <laughs> but but you look at Gold Goldfinger I, I basically bring everything back to Goldfinger because I think Goldfinger is a perfect film I, not even just a, a perfect Bond film I think it's a perfect film in general and that music in that film is. I think you'd struggle to find one scene where you go, eh, I don't like it in this. It's just perfect. Yeah. But when I think of it, I th- the music is playing in my head. When you when I think about Jill Masterson on the bed, I can hear the music playing when I think about it. And that's a pretty important sign that it has such an integral, integral part for the film. And if you think about other films, I can't think of any the music that goes that goes with those scenes and it's not even the bond scene uh, the bond the bond music it's a completely different song it's what uh, the one that sneaker pimps covered but yeah it's it, if you think of a scene and you've, you've got the music in your head i think that's a pretty good sign that it's a, an important part of it brendan um i had the same issue with you uh, going through thinking with me yeah just all the creatives going yeah. uh, early creatives they were integral all of them as much as the other, yeah. But go on, tell us how you found a Brosden creative, <laughs> Eric Sarah. <laughs> no, I went early as well. I went early as well, and down the same route as you. Not John Barry. I went for Ken Adam, who we covered yep. in an earlier episode, because he created. So Barry created the sound of the world Bond lives in. Adam created the the actual world he is physically in. Yeah, and and all those iconic layers that he created just has been it's, it's a blueprint for Bond, as is Barry. You know these people, these creatives, they're the they created the blueprint for Bond moving forward. You know that that is a Bond. Yeah, um, and they're still obviously using that now, uh, and I think they will do because it's 
something like his his doc, right from the beginning his doctor no lair is it's just incredible and that that that, that trivia about the the scene where he didn't have a set made and so he just built, built a white room and put the light through the grill at the top you know where yeah. he, where doctor no gives yeah. him the spider spider yeah Amazing. absolutely incredible yeah and to have a, a genius mind like that working on you know those early bonds to put it in place and obviously he worked on many more so yeah. i went for ken adam yeah and you don't get many set designers that are as famous as as ken adam no exactly yeah i mean i i, I toyed oh, with john barry he was my choice i mean ultimately cubby broccoli for me is the is the ultimate creative i know he's sort of the producer but without him none of these people would be there i guess i mean obviously harry saltzman well yeah yeah but but we talked about this when we, when we talked about cubby saying that he's not a normal producer anyway like yeah producers normally aren't this hands-on you know creatively involved in it and and he shaped it yeah so yeah i mean i guess cubby and and harry in those early years but then cubby because he carried it on and and you know still has it's his legacy that continues the films onwards so um yeah that would have been would have been mine and just just something again on um ken adam obviously it wasn't just the sets like the the db5 as well you know the gadgets on that of course yeah as we discussed yeah. that yeah. then becomes such an iconic and then you know wet nelly like these are the cornerstones of the bond legacy right and it's down to yeah. to this one guy amazing amazing work and then yeah, uh, uh, the other couple I, I sort of wanted to mention were, you know, Robert Brown, John and, and Morris Binder, uh, who we talked about at length yes. in, in B. You can't yeah. really pinpoint one of them, I think. Binder, because he works on it for so long. But then Brown, John, just for the work that he did on those two title scenes from Russia with Love and Goldfinger. That has just shaped the franchise ever since uh, as well. So um, just in But, but yeah. then it goes to show that Bond is all about collaboration, mm. you know. It's all these ideas percolating together to create something great. Yeah. yeah. It's always bigger than the actor yeah. involved, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's Absolutely. the difficult thing with Bond. And we talked about that when we when we went through Binder in that, fine, Bond is like the most integral, important character to the series, but he changes. And if he changes all the time, you can't change everything else. You have to maintain this theme that goes through it. And like when Daniel Craig comes on for the first time and the Bond theme plays which isn't actually until later, is it? But as soon as it plays, you suddenly go, oh, get it now, he's Bond, right? Yeah, understand. And that's the, and all you, all they needed to do was play that music to say he's become Bond by doing this. And it's not often you hear music that has that kind of power. Same with the sets as well. Like it's, If you're watching a Bond film and the set looks nothing like a Bond film and there's a different Bond actor playing, you'd be like, well, this isn't a Bond film, is it? Why am I, what's, what's going on here? But so it's a it's a it's a testament to the fact that the broccoli family have just stuck to the guns with this and not and managed to maintain that level of creative discipline throughout without going oh there's all these other things we could use no we've got to stick with this and just change it slightly so yeah it's um the pretty in terms of creators Bond's got some of the best I've ever been definitely. Okay, so let's move on to the fourth question. It starts getting a little bit harder now because you've really got to really got to think about the the question. It's not it's not just an obvious one. So, Brendan, if you were to show one 007 film to someone who hadn't heard of James Bond before to show off what Bond is, what film would that be? Well, I've got a couple because I couldn't get it down to just one. Mm-hmm. 
because I thought I'd obviously want to go with Goldfinger. That is, like we said, like you said earlier, that it's a perfect not only Bond film but a perfect film. So to go with that would make sense. However, it will depend because if they if they've never heard of Bond, the pacing can would maybe be a problem, and you know who is the character like you've they've not watched the previous two have they they've just been thrown straight in yeah could prove quite difficult so i went for goldeneye (laughs) (laughs) stop giving us explanations for these things that you clearly were never going to go for in the first place (laughs) well i have to say something that's not brosnan to trick them because it's well paced it's relatively modern i know it's 25 26 years old but it's got a likable bond who is very good like we we said in the Brosnan's episode, no one doesn't like Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. It's got a good twist. The script is strong. It's got some nice gadgets. It's not too much on the gadgets, and it's got an Aston Martin thrown in, so you you're getting all the flavors of Bond. Yeah. So that's why I went for Goldeneye. So I can justify it. Is yeah, that okay? No, that's. <laughs> I was expecting you to say Goldeneye, and that's it. No explanation. Goldeneye. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I think the next is next answer is Goldeneye as well. Um, no, I, I agree. I, I think I think that's a good choice. It's um, it sits in a sweet spot, doesn't it, between uh, the older world of Bond and the and the newer world. Um, yeah. yeah. What about you, Bola? Well, I think you're overthinking the question here because for me, I think that you know the Bond franchise is absolutely ludicrous. Oh no! <laughs> and so. <laughs> I think if you're going to show a 007 film to someone and the idea is is that you're trying to convince them to, you know, get on board. Yeah. You've got to love them at its worst, right? So so, in, so I thought, well, the obvious thought was, you know, Goldeneye from Russia with Love, Casino Royale, all good answers. Yeah. But then, but then I wrote, die another day. What are you trying to do? Who's this person that you're showing it to? Listen, if you show them Die Another Day and they, at the end of it, go, that was all right, you've got them. Yeah. You have well, I, got them. I know that I've, I've been to your house and I know what you're like when you want people to leave. It sounds like this, this person that's coming over to watch Bond with you, you're not, you, you, you want to have an early night. Listen, if you can love yeah. him at his worst then, and then, then you've got them hooked for life, I think. The flip side yeah. to that was, it's not a bad film, but it is a ludicrous film, and that's The Spy Who Loved Me. Because The Spy Who Loved Me is Bond to its most excessive, but most brilliant as well. It really toes that line between being ridiculous and brilliant. And I think that's the one, that would be my real answer. Like, Die Another Day tries, but it's it's just bonkers. But, like, The Spy Who Loved Me, just from the opening scene all the way through, just has it all. It is. It's a stupid, stupid movie, but it's brilliant, and that's 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 for that's Bond for me. That you need that. You need that. You need to evidence that up front. Bond is stupid. It's ridiculous, but we love it. Right. I'm, I'm taking that as a uh, as a quote. <laughs> well, I, I took. I went a little bit of a different angle with this because I I was thinking I actually want these people to get into Bond. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to show it to hundred people and two go. Well, that's quite good. So, but what I thought was that I don't think there's one film that you can show to everyone because I, I I think if you if if, if say um, I don't know someone who's 18 years old, 20 years old, and you go, oh, 
got this character you're really gonna like Bond, and you show them Goldfinger, they ain't gonna have a clue what's going on. Yeah. They're not gonna know. They've never heard of Bond before. They could, this is just this old film, a slow old film about some spy trying to get this fat bloke. But <laughs> if I, I was talking to somebody who was a not a Bond fan, they didn't know what Bond was, but they they're open to old films. They they'll sit and watch something that necessarily isn't popular culture. I'd go for Goldfinger because I think if, if you sat someone down who likes old films and is interested in that sort of world, they're going to love Goldfinger. They'll just go, this is perfect. I get it straight away. I get the scenery. I get how it's all done. For people who aren't like that, I'd go Skyfall. People who don't know what Bond is, people who don't really necessarily want to watch a film like Bond or don't know they do. I think Skyfall's got it all. I think it's it's got a good enough story for people who want a story. It's it's got quite good action in it. It's quite enjoyable from that angle. There's just a lot in it. But also, I'd be happy making them watch that, that at the end. And they, if they said I liked it, I'd go, you like a Bond film. Whereas if I made them watch Spectre or maybe, I'm trying to think of another one, maybe Tomorrow Never Dies or something. If, I, if they watched those two films and at the end they said, oh, I like that, I'd go, well, okay, but you might not like the other ones because they're nothing like the other ones. But I think Skyfall just ticks the boxes for everyone. I think even in 10 years' time, you could show Skyfall to someone and they go, cool, like that and enjoy that. What can I watch next? Then I'd struggle to find out what, what what to watch next. You got to start low. That's what that's that's my point. <laughs> you got to yeah, start. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how many people you're expecting to carry on this. Do you not want anyone to watch Bond? He wants to keep it all to himself. Yeah. First, you're going to watch Die Another Day. Then, Never Say Never Again. <laughs> then, a view to a kill. Yeah, and that's it. They only made three. Yeah, yeah just those yeah, three. Don't you be can daft. delete my number out your phone. <laughs> <laughs> so next one. Which Bond villain strikes the most fear for you? Which one terrifies you? Which one, as you having sleepless nights? <laughs> Butler. Good question. I've got two answers for this. I'm going to go for my second one because I think it's less obvious. But Baron Samady, he is... Yeah, no, he's a good one. I thought about that. It, that is a spooky, weird film. And he is a yeah. spooky, weird villain. Like, the weirdest most out there almost of of the bond villains he's supernatural like i think he's supernatural i mean you never really get a sense of whether it's it's real or not well, he yeah. dies doesn't he, he but comes, comes back, back to life yeah twice i think doesn't he, he dies yeah, you wouldn't and... want to be in a room with him would you at night just you and him <laughs> no for me that's he he is the the creepiest of all the bond villains because he's got that hint of being slightly funny he's got a sort of a clown-like element to it the faint the painted face helps as well but that whole mm. idea of voodoo is just um it's great it's a weird it's a weird weird james bond film and he's a great great villain for me so yeah baron samadhi good choice do you say another one as well well i was yeah. going to say red grant but i don't know again it just feels like i'm picking the obvious ones there red grant is great i mean specifically robert shaw's portrayal of him he's just so slimy and he just yeah. looks like an absolute yeah. unit, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, I, I think that... And Red Grant's a good example of this because it being... Which one's the scariest is a bit of a tricky scenario because it all depends on why they're coming to get you. I mean, if I if I had Dr. No coming after me to kill me, I'd probably be quite scared of him because, you know, he's got good at killing hands. people. But yeah. if I actually saw him in a room, I don't think I'd be that scared of him. The ones that I think if I, in real life, if I actually came face to face with them, 
I think what an interesting one to find is um, Dario from License to Kill. He's the uh, the henchman, uh, Sanchez's henchman. He's a he's good because he's just mad. He's 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 just dangerous. He just wants to kill people. He just wants to hurt people, and he, you can kind of see that every time he's in a scene. He's not. You look at all these these villains, and they're not mad. Most of them, they are like they're sociopaths and stuff, but. They don't just want to kill people. They'll kill people because they don't care about killing people, but they don't yeah. want to. He just wants to knife people and shoot people, which I think is quite... It, as, as a character, there's not many other characters. I don't think there is another character like that, actually, in the Bond series that is just a psycho for no reason. Like, he's not actually got any reason behind it. But also, he's, he doesn't, he's, he's mad, but he doesn't actually look that scary. So I, I think, for me, I'm going silver, just because he's quite scary... But he's really weird as well. And if he ever wanted to do something to you, he wouldn't just kill you. He'd he'd have you in a cell for months doing stuff to you. And that's Skyfall, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. I also went for Silver as well for <laughs> that exact reason. He's just he's a weirdo, un- isn't he? He's unhinged. He's... I don't trust him. Yeah, he just makes me itch inside. Don't like it. Yeah, that's what you want. That's quite good. And I think mm. that's probably that character I'm not a massive fan of Silver as a baddie in his his story arc but as his character's good he's very he does it well yeah very very well but especially with the reference when he takes his uh, his faceplate out as well I mean that yeah. just tops it off there's the icing on the cake isn't it chilling yeah, yeah. but yeah, they pull it. Off, they pull it off well. Um, I don't particularly like it when he starts running around in a police outfit. I don't think he just loses his. <laughs> That's the other point about these as well. I think. <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of Bond villains are scary to a a point. So like you look yeah. at Blofeld in From Russia with Love, very scary because you can't see him. Yeah. As soon as you see him, he's not scary at all. Like if I saw yeah. Blofeld in like if I saw Donald Pleasance walking around dressed as Blofeld in Tesco's, I'd follow him around. I'd want to know what he was up to. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think. But the, the and and, I, and maybe even um, in uh, No Time to Die. The Blofeld in that is scary, kind of initially when you don't see him, but they mess that up quite quickly, and he does he loses any kind of scariness. I think when you actually start, he starts talking, and you see him. So was Silver your answer as well, Brendan? It was, yeah, yeah, with, with an honourable mention for Red Grant, but I thought it was a bit obvious because yeah, that hot that whole train scene is just yeah. fantastic. His story. You'd be scared if he was after you, wouldn't you, Red Grant? Yeah. yeah. His Definitely. story in the book is brilliant as well. He's like a serial killer who like defects to the Russians. His story in the book is so so much more detailed than you see in the film, and I think that adds to it. I think. Um, yeah. Mm. Next question then. Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> this is a very good one. And again, I think there's lots of different ways of interpreting it. But um, what's the the least James Bond scene in the whole series? So Wheatley, you wrote this question. Do you mean like the the scene that's where James Bond is least like himself or just the moment that's just like completely out of, out of character. I think it could be, could be either really. They're kind of two of the same if you're looking at certain scenes, but yeah, I I think it's, it's the most jarring scene for you. You're watching it and you're going, this isn't right. This doesn't feel right. I don't like this. And for me, I think for most people, they're probably going to, if say you picked a top 20, 80% of those are going to be Roger because <laughs> um, there's some really weird scenes that are in Roger films that just don't they're just so odd I won't go into any other ones in case you mention them but the one I picked was the, the Tarzan scene where he's 
he's getting chased in a few. T- um, no, which one is it? Uh, Octopussy. He's getting chased. Octopussy's got a few scenes that are odd, but he's getting chased and he ends up disappearing into the jungle, and then he comes back out swinging on a vine, and it's the actual. I think it's the actual Tarzan sound as Tarzan swings through the trees, and he's like swinging across, and then it just stops. It's like a Carry On film. If if you came, if you walked into the cinema, if you had a ticket to the cinema and you were late. And you open the cinema door and walked in and saw that you'd close it straight away and go, "That's oh, not that one." Where's the, where's the Bond film? That's a good yeah. way of putting it. You know, if you were to, if you were to walk into the cinema late, on that scene, yeah. would you would you think it was a Bond? Where's Sid, is that Sid James? Who's that? <laughs> John yeah, Glenn no, has I, I, some weird moments, man. Like yeah. he has he puts some weird stuff in his films. It just gets increasingly odd. The uh, the stuff that they do and I don't know why I don't know if it's just like there's it's the the like the team have gone just keep push up in the ante just do anything that you can that keeps bums on seats so some people probably see that scene and go this looks great that looks brilliant Tarzan excellent but yeah not well, for me I don't think it works speaking of up in the ante you know really really getting those uh, the fans excited I went for Roger as well so I do feel bad that we're kind of picking on him but that it's it's a incredibly exciting scene where he takes a quiche out of the oven yeah. in a yeah. view to a kill. That's it. That's the scene. Yeah. <laughs> he, he makes a quiche. Bond makes a quiche. Yeah. Well, that's a reference to a book out at the time, isn't it? Yes. But it, I don't care. It shouldn't yeah. be in a Bond film. Uh, well, I, I whenever anyone ever mentions uh, quiche to me, I always mention that it's Roger Moore's favourite food. <laughs> And nobody's surprised. Oh, yeah, yes, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's, it's it's so out of character. It's an unnecessary scene, isn't it? Why yeah. would you Why would you put that in? Look, yeah. Famously, the book "Real Men Don't Eat Quiche," written by yeah. Bruce Fierstein, who wrote Goldeneye. So, oh yeah, fun fact tying it all back for you. Does it mean they should put it in though? No, absolutely not. Get it out. I don't. I can't believe neither of you have addressed the elephant in the room when it comes to Bond, which is the rampant misogyny that runs throughout Bond. That you know, you can't talk about the least or the worst moments and not address any of it. You know, just to list a few: Bond smacking Tatiana in From Russia with Love when he when Karim Bey dies, threatening to break the arm of uh, Maud Adams in Got A Man With A Golden Gun. When he uses, I can't remember her name, but the lady in Thunderball as a human shield, <laughs> then puts her down. Yes, yeah. When he blackmails a woman into sex in Thunderball. When he, when he chokes yeah. a woman with a bikini in Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, I, I, I can go on if you want me to. Well, I would say that <laughs> those, those scenes, I, I would in no way condone those that those scenes but there's a time and a place for them and there's never a time and a place for a Tarzan scene where James Bond is swinging through trees listen that, I just wanted to address the uh, elephant in the room because <laughs> I just want to say you know I'm not I'm not down with it the scene that I chose it's from the world is not enough where the boat is we're having the boat chase down the Thames and they turn a corner and they splash some traffic wardens because the guy, the traffic warden they splashed was from a reality TV show about traffic wardens that had been on that year. And they gave him a cameo in The World Is Not Enough. 
Did he win a competition? I, I don't know. That to me <laughs> takes you out of the. Yeah, belt. that's that's. I, yeah. I remember don't it happening have... at the time, and you don't bond. You don't. You don't put reality TV stars <laughs> reality. for no reason in a Bond film. It's imagine that in a Sean Connery film. Yeah, it's not on. Yeah. It is not on. Uh, so for me, that's the that's the worst bit. That's the least Bondy moment for me. And that's I didn't even, even know that one. That's even considering the, par- the you know the dying of the day a parachuting and the invisible car. That that's worse than that for me. Uh, that just seemed too. I, I I think if the readers were listening to that and we said that, they'd be like, we know, we know. Don't <laughs> yeah. stop bringing it up. I had to go yeah. for a little bit more. <laughs> something a little bit more in depth, but yeah, honourable mention to die another day. For most of it. <laughs> just put oh, just put die another day in there. Hey, listen, we we're reevaluating die another day. I think it's going to come back round. Well, you you two yeah. have. Yeah. It's going to be in my top five by the time we finish this A to Z. <laughs> yeah. So, should we wrap things up with a fun game of what if? Is it a game? It's more like a quite a stressful. <laughs> this is arduous script yeah. writing <laughs> project. All right. So the question is: You're in charge of the next James Bond film. This is after No Time to Die, obviously. Who do you get to play James Bond? Who plays the villain? Who are the female leads and what are the ga- what are the gadgets and the cars and what's it called? Who wants to go first? I'll go first. No I'll, one. I'll go first. <laughs> My James Bond, I can't believe I've never thought of it before, but Matthew Reese from the, the Americans, do you know who I mean? I've got no idea. I'm going to have to look him up now. Right, no, this is this too. is part of my problem doing this question because I don't know any new actors. Matthew uh, Reese. Because you only watch the same 24 films, don't you? He's Welsh, but he's big in America. He, he might be a bit too old for it now, but he's... Um, He's Welsh. He's big oh. in America. He's got a lot of TV stuff, history behind him. He looks the part. He's a great actor. Anyway, oh yeah, he's my James Bond. My villain is Ben Mendelsohn because he's yep. played a villain in everything. He's done Star Wars. He's done Marvel. So why can't he do James Bond? Yeah. And it takes it takes Bond to Australia at last. Never filmed in Australia. Now uh. is the chance. Bond girls. This is hard. It's hard to think of who would be suitable i did toy with the idea of vanessa kirby i thought she'd be quite good but she's done uh, mission impossible so i don't mm-hmm. I don't know if you can cross the streams like that but it's going to be someone like um the girl from bridgerton isn't it she's going to be the yeah. someone it's going to be someone like that phoebe Di- dynavore um whose mum is sally webster in coronation street fun fact yep i uh Everybody I speak to watches Bridgerton tells me that fact. Like they're, they're the only person in the world that knows it. I've just been told it about 15 people now. And, I, and I've not cared once. Someone else who I think would be a good female lead in a Bond film, Alison Brie. I think she'd be quite good fun. And yeah, what's what's the gadgets? The gadgets I've come up with are sophisticated cookies. <laughs> because This sounds a bit like going down the quiche route. What, what's going on there? <laughs> I mean, like, you know, cookies on a website. <laughs> Right, okay. Because <laughs> GDPR, it's very hot. It's very of the moment. Right, right. You've lost, you've lost me now. I'm, <laughs> I'm out. I'm not watching this. But the car, the car is the Lotus Esprit from the Spy Who Loved Me. They bring that back finally. Right, and the name. Good shout. Yeah, I couldn't think of anything good. I've gone for a, a gambling term: double or quits. Mm. And I thought as an alternative, double or death. But I don't know if that even makes sense. You could uh, have double double O quits. Double O quits. It's like an Irish gangster. <laughs> double O quits. The, 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 the titles of Bond films aren't like puns. <laughs> They'd work as well. 
Anyway, that's my Bond film. Are you, are you investing? No, I'm no, not investing no. in anything at all. You lost me at cookies. <laughs> yeah, I've still lost at cookies. Yeah, I would have preferred he Bond baking cookies. Yeah, because um, food programs are big. People like food. Yeah, get him, exactly. Get him using some cookies for, what was it, explosives? I can't remember what you said. <laughs> No, they just he literally zoned out. They're just sophisticated cookies. People go on websites. They get given these cookies by websites, and then they I don't know. It's some mass hacking track your viewing habits. Yeah. So, so my question to you is this: Why are they doing it in Australia? Yeah. Better cookies. Can't they just do this at MI6? Is it because they've got an Australian actor? You you put in the whole film in Australia. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't okay. fly. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Don't let's not let's let's have a chat before we pitch this to the broccolis. Maybe it needs a more Australian title. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That That's not a Walter PPK? Is that... No, that's not good. That's terrible. No, I don't... <laughs> Keep working on that Mission Impossible script. <laughs> Live and let didgeridoo. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, go on. Who's next? Who can do better than that? Well, I can't do better than that because I'm struggling... <laughs> My my major problem I have at the moment is I don't know any young actors. My knowledge of film and TV generally it finishes around 1999. But um, I think I I was looking through the list of people that could play Bond um, that have been suggested as playing Bond. And some of them I don't have a problem with. I think they're okay. Like Richard Madden, he's probably a little bit too famous. I think he'd be fine. I don't think it's a problem. Jamie Bell, I think it'd be all right. But I think it's to do with the context of the film itself. So what... I'm a massive fan of going back to the 50s, 60s to do an early Bond because I think the technology we have now makes Bond quite a lot more boring and it it, it overcomplicates it. I want a simple Bond. I want it to be about the character. I want it to be about the, 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 the all the other people that are within it and I want it to be low on gadgets. No, no technology. I want it to go back to basics. I want attache cases. I want knives and shoes all that kind of stuff nothing impressive thinking from Russia of love i basically want a from Russia of love film why don't you just watch that well that wasn't the question was it i can't answer <laughs> it with it. i'm just gonna watch from Russia of love thank you um so what i'm saying is uh, and also the other thing i want to do is go back to the old simple world of mano el mano i want i want to have a bond villain like goldfinger where it's him up against another guy there's no conflicting governments and all this kind of stuff it's just him getting another guy simple yeah. sorted I don't have a name for him I, I gave up on a name for a, a villain and who would play him because I've got no idea which actors could play him my title is A Stranger to Kill because mm. the I think in this next Bond series starts off in like the 1950s it's a story arc like we talked about where what they should have done with the Daniel Craig arc where Spectre was at the end the whole thing was fitting all the pieces together until the end. So you've got to start it really simple. He's just going up against one guy, a stranger to kill. He's got to find this guy, gets him. But it opens up all this new world of um, this whole new story arc where eventually there's another villainous group. It's not Spectre. I don't want to use <laughs> any. I don't want to use any villains that have already been in it. I don't want like Doctor No to come in or anything like that. All new, all fresh. All set in the 1950s. Rewrite it. Rewrite the storyline. So who's your Bond? And then... and you what? Who's your Bond? 
Well, to be honest, I'll probably go. I'll probably go out of the ones I've seen, James Norton or Jamie Bell, really, just because they're not that. They're at that kind of level. James Norton's probably not at quite at the level that Jamie Bell is. I'd probably say Jamie Bell would be a good one because just mix it up a bit, change it. I don't want to see another carbon copy of any of the ones that have came in the past. Is this how you're going to deliver the news when they get the role? Is that enthusiastic, is it? I'll, I'll be bored of it by then. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's my that's Stranger to Kill. That's my Bond film. Good. Okay. Brendan. So Dazzlers. Well. Well, I'm worried now. Has it got because... Brosnan in it? <laughs> now hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> it has. Because we 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 we. We saw, we spoke in the Brosnan episode about doing, uh, about if we could have a, a fantasy one-off Logan-style Bond. Mm-hmm. So, do you know what? That's what I've gone for. If this was, I'm in charge, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling it Pierce Brosnan and he's playing Bond. You call it Pierce Brosnan, the film? <laughs> no, no, I'm calling That's it. That's confusing, up. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm calling, I'm calling Pierce Brosnan and giving him the role back and saying, look, unfinished business that's not what it's called either he can finish that off one last hurrah and is that it is that what that it's called <laughs> <laughs> Piers Brosnan in Piers Brosnan unfinished business one last hurrah colon yeah to be honest it's better than yours <laughs> double or didgeridoo what are you on about <laughs> so I'm casting you didn't ask me to cast M but I'm doing it anyway yeah Emma Thompson is going to be M in this right. I think it should be fantastic yep uh, for the female leads now obviously Brosnan is what 67 68 so you need slightly older female leads so I've gone for Salma Hayek yep and Gillian Anderson ooh that's good yeah yeah I like that now I don't know if the story is that he's married when we go to this you know when we join yep. Bond uh, yeah. there's two other men and they're all they don't know who the child is <laughs> <laughs> it's set on a Greek island. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> In terms of cars and gadgets, uh, so car, I had him as still having the Vanquish. You know, this is the same Bond that we That's left good. in yeah. 2002. Oh, yeah. 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 So it's a continuity of that. You know, he eventually retired and and he's living his life out. He does get to drive the DB5 at some point. You've got to have that nod. I did want to have him driving away into the sunset in the DB5, but Skyfall ruined that, didn't it? So can't have that. Or Spectre, whatever. Whichever you can one have whatever that. you want, mate. You've yeah. got Piers Brosnan playing Piers Brosnan in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, for the villain, and this is obviously inspired by, I'm watching WandaVision at the moment, as, as we right, all are. Okay. Probably not the Paul. best inspiration for, for Bond. <laughs> no, not having Wanda in Vision. Right. <laughs> <laughs> No, I Paul think that ben- works. That's good. Paul-, yeah. <laughs> Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany is going to play play the villain. Nice. But like you, I want a new a new villain. I don't want any any mention of any previous yeah. villains, especially from the Brosnan era. You know, this you wouldn't want to bring back Victor Zukovsky's son. There you go. Like done. Oh, mm. yeah. Eating spooning caviar into his gob. Mister Stamper. He's uh, <laughs> that would be quite good actually. He's actually older now and he's become a. The proper villain, and he hates hates all the stupid stuff Edit Carver made him do. Well, the st- the story the story I've gone for is that MI6 has been 
absolutely destroyed. And that's where I've borrowed the title of William Boyd's book, Solo. Right. So basically, the reason he's called out of retirement, because he's, he's, you know, he's the only one left. Right. Well, is the only that... one from Whole of MO6 left? Yes. <laughs> so what is he... So is he, he's not employed doing this, he's just doing no, it No, obviously, you've you got the, the big hitters are still, still hanging around. Is everything else destroyed, or is it just MI6 destroyed? MI6 and all the double O agents, so he's the only... So stop picking... Look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, in, he d- I'm involved in this. I want, he, he to, I want to invest. Right, he, he, he doesn't make a quiche. The other thing, the other title I went for was just Bond. But I thought, yeah. ooh, I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, mm. a lot of people, I, I, I did a bit of research into new Bond film names, and one of them was 007, because it's like Logan. Right, okay, well, um, so I'll, go, I'll stick with Solo then, because uh, I like that. It's a good hand one, solo. One word. Lovely, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. No. Is it solo? See solo, a James stuff. Bond story. Going solo, the Roald Dahl book. I like it. Right. Can I, can I suggest one change? Yes. Samantha Just Bond. One? Samantha Bond as M. Ooh, that would be good yes. symmetry. I think. Look, I'm, look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying I like it, but I will watch it. I think it's watchable. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm putting the money in. Is he, does he sing in it? He does the theme song. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> he sings <laughs> every time. <laughs> All right, I'm in. Yep. Well, I really hope someone makes posters for these films. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, nudge, nudge. What was yours yeah. called, Wheatley? Uh, a Stranger to Kill. A Stranger to Kill with uh, Ben, what was it? Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell. Coming up with new people for it. Jamie Bell, A Stranger to Kill. Very good, very good. Well, I like all three of those ideas. Yeah. I mean, I'd watch them if, if any of them were made. I mean, we've set the, the bar point. low. If any listeners want to come up with a far better idea, and preferably don't have, don't use the Brosnan angle again, because uh, oh, we talk about Brosnan a bit too much in this podcast, Brendan. Hey, Lazen. You could have done oh, that. Hey. You could have done it with um, Dalton. That would have been a good alternative, wouldn't it? Yeah, Dalton is M. He's not interested. He's not yeah. interested in the role. He quit the role. Lazen. The difference is Brosnan. Brosnan. <laughs> no. No, it's Brosnan. Stop recasting. <laughs> yeah, you can't call it Piers Brosnan without Piers Brosnan being in it. <laughs> well, I, this, the, this, the concept isn't that coherent anyway. I don't think people are going to be any less confused. Well, listen, let's wrap it up there, I think. If if you think um, we should make this film... No, sorry. If you, have, <laughs> if you like this episode and you want us to do more like this, then please send your questions that we can chew over to... What's the email address, Wheatley? Podcast at jamesbond8z.co.uk. And on social media, Brendan? At jamesbond8z. See? Ooh, went American. At mm. jamesbond8z. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's it. Yeah, so um, James Bond will return with a normal episode next time. Um, and yes, we will um, see you then. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Ciao. James Bond A to Z podcast features Tom Butler, Brendan Duffy and Tom Wheatley. The podcast was produced by Tom Wheatley with music by Tom Ingemels and artwork supplied by Helen Dolly.